Welcome back to episode 37 of the Hockey House podcast presented by Selly Hockey Co. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined once again by Stephen Glick and our executive producer, David Herman. Glick, how's it going? It's going good. We're coming off a big win against Lehigh University this past weekend. So, you know, the boys are buzzed and we're excited to play Drexel and home opener against Rutgers this weekend. Is that a conference matchup? It was our first uh, ECHA game of the year and our first conference game in God knows how many days. I think we posted, it was like our first win in about 500 days. So we're definitely excited to, you know, it, it was awesome to finally be able to play and get a win in the column. That's nuts. And then we'll throw it over to Herm. Herm, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Saturday was my 23rd birthday. So heading up on the Jordan year, had some dinner in the city with friends. It was a, it was a great weekend. Kept it low key. Exactly what I was looking for. Happy belated birthday. Thanks, boys. Yeah. Huge shout out to Herm. Just casually keeping his birthday a secret on us. <laughs> I didn't need like a big post or anything. I <laughs> just keep it low key. Uh, but you know, we, we would have done that for you. Huge weekend of ACHA action though. It, it's pretty cool being behind the scenes and seeing all this content, you know, the past year, it was really easy. It was almost easier to post content when there wasn't games because anytime there was something good, you could just post it and it gave you something for the day. Now it's insane. I mean, there's videos coming in literally every night, especially on the weekends. It's usually like four or five quality videos coming in. We're doing our best to post as many as we can without, you know, swamping everybody's feed. Wild weekend in Maryville. Maryville gets a series sweep over Illinois. It was Illinois' first game of the season. And this was kind of a wild series. Both both games were really close. Second game went to OT and Maryville took the W. Uh, we had a good old fashioned Donnybrook in the second game. Uh, borderline hit from behind. Wasn't actually sure in the real in real time if they called it or not uh, watching the live stream. But the guy who did throw the hit got the boot. And then as well as the Maryville player who retaliated and uh, went after him in the video. And then Maryville closed it out with a, a great overtime goal in their new red jerseys. I had a couple comments about the red jerseys. Looked a lot like Stony Brook out there. I'm not sure if if you guys thought the same thing yeah they looked very similar i'm not like i'm not even gonna lie especially after you mentioned now i can't see it i don't care if they look like stony brook they look good out there that's what matters to me honestly i thought it was unique when maryville had those they had like the all black kind of like tampa bay third jerseys but they wore them with the red pants and, and red helmets i thought that was a good look they've got three new jerseys this year all by jog so jog did a great job with those great crowd in maryville this weekend we'll touch on that later on in the show for sure more a ACHA or not not ACHA action in the CHF there was some good action and, and content it even got Pavel Barber involved I don't even know what you want to call it. I think Dominic Hasek when I see this clip but senior goaltender Brady Mulligan of Georgia came out and challenged a, a University of South Florida attacker and went full Dominic Hasek style took him out by the legs not nearly a front flip but a, a little scrum ensued it reminds me a lot of when you see knee on knee hits in hockey and it, it just comes from somebody trying to line up a guy and at the last second realizing you've been beat and your natural instinct is just to stick your leg out so you don't get beat and in this case it was a, a goalie pad getting stuck out so I think the best part everyone enjoyed was just the goalie casually skating back to the net like it was just any old play that was hilarious he just kind of ignored just as if he didn't just cause the guy to fly about 20 feet behind the net and her big news from social uh, social media perspective two weeks ago we hit 5,000 and then two weeks later we're right up to 6,000 what do you have to say about that we've got a stretch goal of 10,000 by I'm not going to say specifically when because I've got got it written down and I'll jinx it if I say it out loud but it feels like we're going to hit that number a lot sooner than expected and your support on social media on Twitter on Instagram soon to have more content on Facebook 
book has been incredible. The the support from the entire ACHA, CHF community is unparalleled. I think the craziest thing for me of this and and Herm, I know we've talked about you and I both have access to the social and I have notifications to turn on when somebody comments because I always just enjoy when people comment and usually, it, you know, we can provide insight if there's a post that we have and people have questions about it or we can kind of fact check if people are chirping. But our phones have been blowing up with this video of a bag skate that we posted from Loyola Marymount University in California. And it is the wildest thing. LMU Hockey posted on their story during tryouts of just like, Classic trash can on the ice going board to board. I saw it. I was like, this is kind of funny. Like, I think a lot of people can relate to it. Let's just throw it as a throw it on as a reel. And reels are just like TikToks. You just never really know how it's going to be successful. And usually the ones you put the least amount of effort into are the ones that do the best. And sure enough, three weeks later, this video has 789,000 views, 10,000 likes, probably over 100 comments. And in, every day it's new people getting into fights in the comment section. It's it's absurd. We had Kyle Warhucker from Weber State, a former guest of ours was just like getting berated by a 14 year old in the comment section about elite prospects he was sending us screenshots and it's it's just crazy everyone hiding behind screens on the internet and i guess our platform is just a home base for people chirping in the comments so that's that's been really funny to watch the Instagram comment section on big posts are hellish regardless. But man, like I did my digging on the kid and I was like, oh my God, this kid's an 07? Are you kidding me? Like you, you're you going to chirp ACHA guys on an ACHA account when you're 14? What is this? That's the biggest thing for me. And, and if I were a 14 year old, I'm not sure if I would be smart enough to not chirp ACHA guys. I try to think like what where my head was at when I was 14 years old. And at that time, I probably knew like the liberties of the world and the Ohio's of the world, but not much else. In my head, I probably would have thought something like that, but I would not have had the balls to say something like that on social media. But these kids, it's like, I say it all the time. Kids need to get off TikTok and start shooting more pucks before they come at the ACHA because all roads lead to beer league and most of them lead through the ACHA. So that kid for sure is not going to play NCAA hockey if I had to, if I had to bet on it yeah in like five years he's gonna be at an acha trial with his head down like oh man i used to make fun of this league and this is where i'm at now exactly a lot of college hockey content coming out of texas this week our guys at baylor awesome job hats off to them and the the baylor hockey program for how far it's come blake bonner and, and head coach joseph crumb they did a fantastic job not only preparing for the season there were videos going around uh, leading up to the home opener of them at uh the roller hockey rink and i didn't even realize this it wasn't even a roller hockey rink it was like a roller skating rink like the kind of thing you see where you go on a Friday night for a date and you got the roller skates, not even roller blades. I was shocked when I saw that, but hats off to them. 2-0 on the weekend. Great job by the Baylor Bears this weekend going 2-0. Big shout out to their student section too. That was one of the coolest parts of seeing their social media content was they've already got like they mentioned during the interview, like the de facto fan club, they showed up and they were loud and man, it was really, really cool to see. One of my favorite things on social I saw at a Baylor was we talked to Blake and he was like asking all these questions like, how does an ACHA game work? Like, what are things we need to do? One of the comments was like, is every weekend going to be a best two out of three series? And they're like, no, no, no. We just play two games every weekend. It's not always a best two out of three, but you can probably see like hockey fans in Texas and you see the Baylor take the first two games and then that's the end of the series. You think like, that's it. 
must be a two out of three every weekend, but really cool to see them growing the game at Baylor. So also out of Texas, the Texas A&M Aggies swept the SMU Mustangs, uh, winning one game 11-1 to and another game 3-2. to A big shout out to Rebecca Bing Photo, who has like seriously, seriously professional quality images coming out of there. So big ups to the Texas hockey scene and big ups to TX Hockey Life on Instagram, who has been a massive supporter of the page from the jump. Yeah, they do a great job reporting on all things hockey in Texas, not only pro hockey, but they've really picked up their college hockey game. And that's really cool to see because there are so many ACHA teams playing out of Texas. Great to see Texas A&M using the Audi Zero template jerseys. That just looks so awesome, especially like that logo is so prominent in college sports to see it on a, a high class jersey like that is really cool. Speaking of new jerseys, Niagara also debuted their new all purple uniforms. They're going with the purple warrior helmets, purple warrior gloves, and then purple rebirth jerseys, socks, and shells. It's a pretty good look from the purple Eagles. <clears throat> Huge shout out to Chad Moore, former guest of the show. He scored a second period power play goal and Niagara's first game back on Pat Romano night and pointed to the sky following the goal. Really cool video that he reshared on his own personal social media, but you got to imagine that was a very emotional night for all those Niagara guys, and it was really cool to see them get the win on opening night. And then last but certainly not least, we had NC State was in action this past weekend. Huge win over North Carolina on opening night. They followed that up by traveling to Lynchburg the next night. And they gave the Flames a run for their money. Three to one ice pack after one. Back and forth second period saw Liberty take the lead and then NC State tie it. And then the third Liberty just pulled away. But good to see a solid Division II program putting up a fight against uh, you know the Liberty Flames, one of the perennial powers of Division I ACHA. And no better person to talk to when it becomes to NC State ice pack hockey than the man who knows everything about that program, the ins and the outs, Zach Selye, coming up next on the Hockey House Pod. We're pleased to be joined by one of our favorite ACHA content creators from the NC State ice pack, Zach Selye. Zach, welcome to the Hockey House. Hey, this is sick, boys. Thanks for having me. Early days of Hockey House, we were going after the big content creators. We talked a lot with you and Ben Smith from South Carolina because you guys just had this like stockpile of all these photos and videos, and it was really easy to build our brand off of you know some of the great brands in club hockey. So we're really excited to have you on, and you've been working on some huge projects in the past year, and we'd love to talk to you more about those. Yeah, no, that all sounds great, especially like I, I think I first listened to you guys guys for the first podcast when Riley Johnson came on uh, I think it was like last year in November or October or something like that and that's when I finally started like kind of picking up I listened to I want to say on again off again like a lot of your podcasts so it's pretty sick what you guys are doing for the league and it's awesome to get the outreach that you guys are doing yeah we loved having Riley on it's cool when we have a guy come on and then he's covered very well like there's a lot of stuff about him on social media he did the Svechnikov move again which made it really easy to post stuff and you love making those meme style videos so it was awesome to repost <laughs> and we'll get into that for sure to start things off you had a crazy weekend the ice pack got going yep. you had your first home game with full capacity fans and then you guys traveled to liberty what was this weekend like for you 
I'm actually like I'm running on fumes right now. We got back from Liberty at about like five in the morning last night. So I've been like sleeping all day pretty much on the way there. Now, this is the same bus we took to uh, Florida Gulf Coast, the same one that broke down right in front of Fort Myers at the pier. Everything got fixed. So we thought on the way there, the door wouldn't shut. So we drove about an hour and a half with the door wide open. That's absurd. How long is that drive up to Lynchburg? From Raleigh, I think it was two and a half hours. I heard the air pressure like kind of going off in the front. And I'm like, what is that? And I looked up front and we have our like onboard mechanic trying to shut the door the entire ride. It was the funniest thing I ever seen. Now, did you have the camera rolling for any of that? No, unfortunately, I did get some good footage of some of the uh, conversations from the boys in the back. So that'll be on the next all access for sure. Love that. And then talk about what it was like to shoot in front of fans for the first time, you know, at the the weight competition center. It, It completely changed the dynamic of how I record things. Last season, it was more game focused and it really was a little bit I want to say easier because I knew exactly what I was going for this time around it was so different because we sold out on Friday against UNC I want to say we had about 1200 to 1300 fans there and so literally I had my gimbal with my camera on it and I was running up and down kind of the stands and everything like that and I know the listeners won't be able to see this but I was like trying to pump them up with one hand with my gimbal in the other and I was running like beelining it from one side of the rink to the other and that's where I kind of got the shots from of the fans from our most recent social vids so it was electric to see the fans in there and it made me happy because we had been without fans since I think the last time I saw fans like ice pack fans in general was February 9th of 2020 when we played UNCW so it's been a long time coming and it looked like they had a ton of fun last night so I mean on Friday night so it was awesome to see. Take us through like, what's your game day operation schedule? Like how early do you get to the rink? Are you prepping before you get to the rink? Are you looking for specific shots? What was your game day routine like on Friday? Well, most game days for me start the same. I take my free game nap. Uh, I try to imitate the uh, hockey schedule as close as I can. I try to get to the rink about an hour and a half beforehand. On Friday, I told myself and my photography team to get there a little early to capture the guys walking in with their suits, kind of do like a drip check sort of thing. Our new social coordinator Grayson Shadrick, she made our first TikTok with that footage and she did an outstanding job at that. And like, I I was still watching it like on repeat on the bus ride back last night. It was insane. My job, it's a little bit weird since I'm kind of like now the director of media there. I was not only doing my thing, recording video and all that cool stuff, but I was also managing our social team, the social coordinator and our intern as well, along with my photography team. So we were trying to combat Wi-Fi issues, photographers not knowing where they needed to be our intern. She is still in high school at this time. So it's a really special internship. And I was trying to help her. So it was frantic. But all in all, I think we did a fantastic job of just kind of executing everything. That's awesome to hear. And so kind of take us through how you got to to state. How did you end up choosing state? And how did you end up working for the hockey team? Coming out of high school, I wanted to play hockey so bad. It was something that I wanted to do more than anything in the world. I fell in love when I was four. Actually, when the Red Wings came to play the Hurricanes back in 02, for whatever reason, I ended up on the tarmac. So I got to like do fist bumps with all the Red Wings players when they came off the plane. And that's when I knew I kind of wanted to play hockey. My family, we just never were in the financial situation. And I'm sure you guys know it's uh, gear, you know, alone maybe doesn't cost that much. But when you have to buy new gear every year because you're growing, it's going to 
cause like a big dent in the wallet. So I just never got that chance. So I kind of did theater for a little bit and I fell in love with the aspect of using my voice. So at that point, I was like, let's go do some broadcasting. So I hopped in on the broadcast side of things in 2017. After a couple years and a lot of miscommunication with management, I just realized that maybe that field isn't right for me. So I talked with uh, Ian O'Rourke. He was the president of NC State Hockey and he just graduated. And he said, we have a real need for this and do what you want to do. You can really run the show here. And I'm like, all right, bet. (laughs) I hopped on and that's pretty much been the story ever since. And these guys, you know, I can't emphasize enough. It's difficult because a lot of the guys on the team grew up with each other. Hockey in North Carolina is kind of a really tight knit circle. So it was a little bit hard for me to get kind of close to them over the years. And obviously they're much closer to each other just because they grew up with each other, their childhood friends. So like, I'm never going to be, you know, going out for beers with them or playing golf with them. But every Tuesday, Thursday and game weekend. So that's sometimes two to three times a weekend. I'm hanging around them and they still treat me as one of their own. So it's a comforting place to be. And that's kind of why I still do it. It's just that community and that family aspect. And it's making me fall in love with the game even more. That's a, that's a really good point you bring up. The reason I know so much about state hockey is because one of my good friends at Syracuse, Ford Hatchet, is from Raleigh originally. Same thing. Like he grew up, you know, no one really liked hockey. And then the Hurricanes were all of a sudden in the finals in 2002. And then hockey took off in Raleigh and all these guys, they grew up, they grew up playing for the junior Hurricanes and now they're all playing for state. And he's, he always mentions how it's like all these guys grew up together and now they're playing for the ice pack, which is really cool to see. I'm sure you know what's coming next. The welcome to the ACHA moment. What was that for you when you were working for the team and you finally got to figure out what the ACHA is all about? There's been a ton of things. One guy after power skating one night, I had to, um, I was standing right next to him and he was throwing up after uh, power skating because they all had pasta beforehand. I will say probably the welcome to the ACHA moment. Parker Zarek up in nationals, he separated his shoulder. So I actually got the chance to kind of be like a medical trainer for a day. And um, obviously with the team, you wear a lot of different hats. So I had to put some ice on him and also wrap his shoulder up. So I don't know if that's like a funny welcome to the ACHA moment, but I thought that was pretty funny because here I am the media guy and then now I'm playing you know nurse um (laughs) so that was just insane moment yeah that doesn't happen very often in other leagues Mm -hmm. that's definitely an ACHA specific moment yeah yeah I'm definitely getting war flashbacks to like other duties as assigned type games the one that kind of pops into mind for me that's along the same vein is that we were at like the edge ice arena in Chicago for a game that was like formerly RMUIL and we got a delivery of Jimmy Johns in the middle of the game and I had to be the one lugging my photography gear, scrambling around the rank, making sure that we were all good to go for, for after the game. Definitely, definitely feel you on that, Zach. Yeah. And I've also had to help out our equipment manager, Jess Tart. I had to help him. Like, I've carried sticks. I've um, helped put away gear on some occasions. There's so much that I've done. It's pretty hysterical. All right. Now let's talk about Ice Pack All Access a little bit more. Uh, your documentary series with NC State. Was that the first name you guys came up with for it? Or was there anything else you guys had strategized beforehand? We had a couple different names kind of planning for it. I think it started off as Wolves Den. And then I kind of sat on it for a couple days. I was like, that sounds kind of cheesy. So I was like, you know what, let's just stick with ice pack all access makes the most sense and at the end of the day it's about the content not necessarily the name yeah for sure i i like the wolves done though it's kind of sick yeah now that you say that i should have gone with that but you know it <laughs> yeah, my, my opinion doesn't matter whatever <laughs> so so when did you decide to start the show 
quarantine hit. So that was about April of 2020, right? So it was around then and I was sitting there. Now I was just kind of the social person at the time for the team. And I was kind of running out of content ideas. And I was trying to think, okay, what's going to be the best way to kind of bridge the gap between regular hockey fans and club hockey? I worked so hard for this team and there's still people that go, there's club hockey at NC State? And I'm just like, okay, like after all that we do on campus and then also on social media that's plugged by Barstool and by other people, it it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I just kind of thought to myself, okay, there's stories that are not being told. Stories like mine, the media guy having to tape someone's shoulder up. We've had healthy scratches run Twitter. I mean, these are players that are literally scheduling games, buying hotel rooms, paying for um, airplane tickets. I remember the morning we left for North Dakota for the D2 Nationals. um, We had Ian O'Rourke, our team president, work with our assistant coach to try to figure out baggage because they couldn't fit sticks on the plane. Not to mention on our flight to North Dakota from Denver from our layover, the plane was so small that when we put the sticks on, it actually tilted the plane backwards. So we couldn't we couldn't take off for an hour because they literally had to bring our hockey bags from under the plane onto the plane itself. We had sticks on our laps, like in the back row, they had put hockey gear because the plane was not level. We couldn't take off. I was crying at that because it was so funny. It's those stories that like that that made me realize this is awesome because in 20 years, you're just going to think that was a whirlwind. You played hockey competitively. You made a name for yourself in the school, but at the same time, you develop lifelong memories. I made it for kind of two reasons. One, it's for their time capsule. Like I said, these guys mean so much to me. And more than anything, I want to give them the NCAA D1 treatment just because of how well they've treated me. And I'm going to bust my ass off doing whatever I can media-wise to give them that treatment and bring in professional photographers, videographers, whatever it may be, because that's just how much I care. And I guess the second reason is because I've had some kind of memory issues as of late and just kind of an overwhelming sense of not being able to kind of live in the moment and always kind of think back and things like that. So I kind of made it for myself because sometimes I want to remember these times. I know in 20 years, I'm going to be thinking, you know, I never got to play the game the way that I wanted to. And I know we're recording this a day early because I have a men's league match tomorrow night, which is going to be, um, if I give up 10, it it may happen. We're going to see what happens. But um, I made it because I really want to remember this time because this has been the best four years of my life. And now going on year five, I'm taking a victory lap. I really made it for a lot of things and it was for them and really so I can help remember for myself to remember everything that's gone on. Well, this podcast has been known to uh, give people the hockey house bump. So I think you'll be all right in the men's league game. For me, I would hop in front of a Murph slap shot to have a guy like you at IU doing what what you do there at NC State. And, you know, that, like you said, be able to look back on on those memories. That's, that's something that I, I would kill for. So it's amazing. That really does mean a lot because, you know, a lot of hockey guys kind of need this. They really need like kind of that treatment because now they get to walk around and they get to not only say they're playing, you know, club hockey at a school where they're drawing in thousands of fans per night, but they get also get to say, oh, hey, I'm a star of a, like a reality TV show. And that's got to be such a sick feeling for you guys. And it just makes me happy seeing everyone else happy on the team, knowing that they get to be a part of this and they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives and their happiness just kind of rubs off on me. And that's that's my reward out of this. I, I'm not doing this for any money. Like they gave me a couple beers on the bus as my payment and that's cool. But for me, my actual payment is just seeing them happy and seeing them really enjoy the work. And that's my that's my reward. And we talked a lot about this 
a couple of weeks ago when we had our, our, our birthday episode and how we started this all, but it, it's the same concept that we did. It was like everyone, we all have these crazy stories and once in a blue moon, one of us will get on spit and chicklets and tell it. Why not tell those stories every week and have everybody listen to it? And it's the same thing. It's like, well, what reward is there? It's like, so that kid from, you know, some random school out West who's listening to the show and he's like, oh my gosh, that was so funny. Like, I love that. Or the, the we've got a, a goalie at Kent State who's a, I think he's, he does DoorDash and he listens to it every time he does DoorDash and he's like it's the greatest thing ever like I'm sure we'll get him on someday too you do it for those little moments because it the the stuff we're making is like it, it makes people's day and I hope in 20 years these guys are you know putting on their TV and showing it to their kids like yeah this is what it was like when I played college hockey right exactly and I kind of have the same mentality and like what I do for state it, it's chill it's it's what I do but I think you guys have a greater impact because you cover all Acha teams and I think that's so important because you bring on individual stories to tell and while I can tell kind of the overarching story of one team you guys can tell individual stories of a different team president scheduling hotels you guys cover so much more ground and that's why I think your storytelling on this podcast is is essential to what club hockey is all about. Well, and that's the other thing is everybody watches Friday Night Lights or Last Chance You, and it's like they need an ACHA version of this. My favorite thing is to be like, yes, there is an ACHA version of this. Go watch Ice Pack All Access. I try to incorporate in all access kind of aspects of behind the B and kind of my ideology kind of around making it is so if you follow a lot of sports content creators on Twitter, and I know Mac does stuff for Syracuse Athletics, so I'm sure that he's somewhat involved in seeing this on Twitter, and I'm sure Herm is as well. You guys kind of see all these cinematic recaps on Twitter and on social media and everything like that from football games, and those are dope. Don't get me wrong. Like those things are works of art, but I'm thinking you watch those once and it's just like, what happens? That's it. You watch it, you never watch it again. And my thought process with All Access is why don't I take those same cinematic style shots and those recaps and make it rewatchable? Why don't I do something that serves the purpose of a cinematic recap, but tell a story at the same time that's going to give everyone, you know, more longevity with the piece? That, that's sort of my thought process behind it. But obviously, HBO Road to the Winter Classic was a huge influence of mine for the show. And since a lot of these episodes are really, really all-encompassing when it comes to documenting a weekend. I would say my process, I kind of do run and gun style with this because with the documentary series, you can't exactly plan for what happens. You just kind of got to let your camera run and see what happens. I know the other night, um, the guys were kind of messing around. So we have our locker room and then we have a, like a little turf shooting area, which they just built. Not as nice as Liberty's, but I mean, it's still something for the guys and they Junior Canes girls team uses it. It's really nice. And it's just outside of our locker room. So the guys the other day were messing around with this bench press that was in that turf room. And I didn't even know that was going to happen. I just started recording. Basically what I like to incorporate, the way that I usually plan the show is I want to try to get one lighthearted event or a story. So for example, I think back to my episode back in January where we played Dallas Baptist for the three game series. I wanted to include one special kind of specific piece to kind of showing the behind the scenes of the team, then incorporate the rest of the games. So in that episode, it was Cam Mazikowski and how his dog kind of changed his life during quarantine. And then I progressed into the games. So obviously I graduated. I'm not on campus. This is sort of my victory lap. So I had to think, how am I going to get all access if I can't walk out of my dorm and just meet up with the player. I hit up one of the healthy scratches on the team and he's like, yeah, I got a GoPro. And I'm like, bet. So now we're doing like your prototypical like 
Acha like driven day in the life stuff like that. I didn't tell him what to do. I just said, take me through your day in the life. And I just chopped up some footage and it made it happen. To go all the way back to answering your question, it's just all about letting your camera run and see what happens. But typically it's, I like to incorporate at least one lighthearted moment, one specific moment, and then obviously go into the behind the scenes of the game footage. And then on average, how long does it take for you to edit an episode? If I don't procrastinate, I can probably knock out an edit in three days. Two days to actually do the edit and then one day to watch it through and make like any final changes. Obviously right now I'm doing some freelance work so I'm getting caught up in a lot of stuff so sometimes it'll take like a week or two and not because like I'm just sitting there and not doing anything but I got a lot to do. I just try to crank it out when I can. It's really all a hobby for me honestly so it's whatever free time I have that I'm not like actually my actual day job. Zach you talked about planning and certain episodes. What was it like going to nationals and you kind of have no idea what what could happen like if you guys lose on the if you lose the first game you're pretty much done. If you made it all the way you could have had a championship documentary in itself and <laughs> if you lose in the first game you, you don't have much to work with so what was your mindset going into that well i think first things first i was panicking because i ran out of hard drive space so i was like if we go one more game i'm actually screwed and plus we all wanted to get on north dakota anyway no shame whatsoever to minot state and you mary but it is legitimately the most boring state i have ever been to in my life when we were in bismarck i swear to god there was only three liquor shops and a sporting goods store and we literally one night walked from our hotel to a taco bell and that was our like quote unquote moves for the night we wanted to get out, but obviously we were there to play hockey. But I think it would have been awesome because that's just an unreal feeling to be able to document something like that. Um, but in terms of planning for that, it kind of started after ACC championship win. So obviously I wanted to make this the longest episode of the year because I feel like it took the whole journey of winning our annual championship and then going to the big championship. And I wanted to try to get all the process of that. So we beat, we beat Virginia Tech 8-3 to and you know it was a win. And Virginia Tech hadn't played in a year, right? Because of COVID. They got cleared literally two days before the tournament. They came and we played. I wouldn't say it was an easy game. There were some points where I kind of noticed we kind of ran out of gas, um, but we still won. And I was like, okay, well, now that the challenge is going to get a little bit harder here. So we went from that. And then we kind of did some more practices and some scrimmages with like top men's league teams in Raleigh, which had some NC State alumni. And then obviously, you know, did you guys ever watch NHL 36 growing up? You guys never heard of that show? No. That's insane. I thought it was so much more popular than what it's made out to be. It takes basically, they did it on Pat Kane, Nicholas Lidstrom, Mike Richards. Um, forgot who else they did it on. I think they did it on Jonathan Taze at one point. Basically, it takes you within 36 hours of a player. So they followed them for travel, walking them through their pregame rituals and uh, like even like their breakfast. I kind of want to include as much as possible kind of building up from that main championship. So the guys are working hard through that scrimmage game. And then obviously during the flight there they weren't goofing off they weren't like taking any like pre-flight shots or anything uh, not that we do that anyway we are a very appropriate organization <laughs> but i wanted to include all that because i think the benefit of there not being a lot in north dakota was the fact that the guys took it super seriously like it was all hockey all the time when we were not playing the guys were either resting or they were watching game film they were getting ready like that was the most serious that you know i've ever seen them and not that they're not serious in their own right but i saw them really focus in hone in 
And I just realized that even if we go out, they're built to last. So I want to include all that. And we got obviously the first game, the second game and the stuff in between. Like, what do you do in North Dakota? What do you do on a road trip like this? So the team went bowling. We had a couple team dinners that were kind of close to the cameras. We had that film session because I don't know. So Mac, you play D1 for Syracuse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys do film sessions pretty often? Yeah, we do film sessions about once a week. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting because I don't think a lot of like non-hockey players have ever seen like a film session take place, right? And I wanted to include that because you, Mary, was obviously a powerhouse team. And obviously we took it really seriously. We did film sessions, I think, before every game. And if not, our coach prepared like a pre-scout listing for the players to look at before the games, which helped out a ton. Um, I noticed right off the bat, like I've known hockey. I studied like four checks, back checks, all that stuff. And I remember picking up on some things from the film session when I was kind of listening. And I actually saw you, Mary, implement those, which I thought was like, hey, I'm actually kind of smart. Let's go. (laughs) I guess to go back to the entire main point of this, I just wanted to include everything, everything that was happened and the whole story and the whole build up to that penultimate game against you, Mary. You you mentioned a a couple of times about how focused the guys were and how there was nothing to do in Bismarck. When we talked to Riley, his main thing was there was too much to do in Dallas. So I think I think that definitely benefited NC State the second time around. Yeah. And to go off that to Dallas, I mean, what happens in Dallas stays in Dallas. Um, uh, it was it was a trip. I know we had a few players uh, that were well over 21 that decided to uh, kind of go out and enjoy the town. Um, our bus left at 630 and they got back to the hotel at 615. My point exactly. You're not doing that in Bismarck. Good friend of the podcast, Josh Strong, has to be like absolutely pounding his fist right now. I know he just moved back to Bismarck and he has to be livid about all of this slander on his new city. So real sorry about that one, Josh. Sorry, Josh. Love you. One of the things that we've discussed previously is how important ACHA creatives are to the overall program, but it feels like they kind of get overlooked sometimes by their players, fans, administration. Why do you feel like that is? I want to say it's because we're probably not getting recognized on a bigger stage because club teams, I forgot who it was. You guys talked about it the other day, or I saw a tweet. There was another club hockey team that got the ax from the school that said they're not allowed to be associated with the school anymore. Who was that? BYU was told that they were no longer allowed to use the name and logo. They Recently, they weren't even playing as a club sport on campus. They were just given special permission to use the name and logo. And now after this season, they can't even do that. Well, I mean, NC State's now in the same boat. We got a note in the in our emails over the summer that now we have to be the Ice Pack Hockey Club at NC State. That's brutal. Yep. So right now we're still wearing our black jerseys with the traditional logo, but we're having to transition out of everything. So our new white uniforms are coming in. We obviously have our sick red unis. Basically, I remember when we got our ring for the 2019 ACC championships, we had our the old Tuffy logo on it, which is the classic NC State kind of like logo. And someone had posted a photo somewhere and Trademark sent us an email and they were like, yo, what's this? And we're just like, oh no, because we can't sell anything with logos that are trademarked by the school because we're a club team. So Uh, We had some issues with our social media. So now in the next few weeks, I got to have conversations to talk about changing our handles to club hockey at NC State, whatever it may be. But yeah, it's been pretty interesting on that front. I think I would I would feel a lot different about it if you guys weren't doing it the way you're doing it. If you guys didn't just have a thousand people at, at the weight competition center against UNC. Like maybe you could be like, all right, I I see where they're coming from. But for a university to look at 
a product that you guys have and then choose to not associate themselves with that. And I don't know that that really gets me going. Yeah. And the thing is, too, if you look at some of our other NCAA sports, we have more fans at our games than they do and nothing against like volleyball or anything like that but i think like volleyball is like 400 fans and we cap off sometimes at i know our pnc games get 7,000. and at the off-campus kind of nc state store we call it the red and white shop we're the fourth highest selling thing behind like football basketball and baseball so at this point we need to have a conversation about possibly getting our team a little bit more recognition this feels like the robert morris situation all over again where it's a university administration that has a pretty popular team on its hands, but has no idea what to do with it whatsoever. That's really, really frustrating for me to hear. Yeah. And especially for me, myself and uh, my media team, because we're on the front of all like the branding and creative, we got to be super careful not to like, you know, copy any like design elements from state. We have to be careful about using old Tuffy, which is probably the most recognizable logo we have. So we're trying to establish the brand of the ice pack logo that was designed by our current captain, Eric Todd. So he's the one that's designed our jersey jerseys and our overall brand guidelines. So he's the guy on that front. I'm basically on the execution side of that. And it's just as hard on both fronts. So it yeah, it's really frustrating. From that perspective, we, we look at club sports and it's really hard for not only guys on the team getting recognized, but content creators. I think it goes both ways. If 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 a school isn't even going to acknowledge the players who are playing, like content creators definitely aren't getting any recognition. Mm-hmm. And so one of my questions is as a guy who works for Syracuse Athletics, how come you've never made the jump over to athletics? Because I think like state football would kill to have a guy like you on the sidelines. There's a certain challenge with doing things on your own. No one ever asked me to do this for state. I wanted to. I like the challenge of doing it all and cultivating something awesome. But I don't know, because if I went to football, I would get kind of absorbed into a program where I can make sick content, but it wouldn't be my own. If I'm in the ACHA, I'm making content that's for the team, but I also get to say, I freaking made this. And that's what's exciting to me because I can put a lot of that stuff on my own reel and said, all this camera equipment came out of my money. All this storytelling was from me. Everything that I've done was from me. And because of that, I'm proud to, I feel a little bit more sense of pride knowing that a lot of the work has come from my drive and myself. So, and also the creative freedom too. I get to do literally whatever I want with a budget. Yeah. That's something we talked a lot about with Josh when he came on and the, the, the endless opportunity you have when, when you're working with by yourself for an ACHA team, he talked a lot about, he was going to football games at, at Minot state. And like, you know, you have people telling you that you need to get this certain shot and, pictures of these certain players they like needed an extra photographer at the hockey game and so he went and checked it out and he fell in love with it because mm-hmm. he got to tell the story the way he wanted to right and josh too i think he um after he did his shooting for minot and he left he went for a three-month trip to kenya i think it was and he started like doing some photos and stuff there and i'm just like look at this guy go because like working in sports it's cutthroat it's 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 tiring it's taxing um like i said last night we didn't get back until five in the morning i'm sure with like with football you know even though you might get home at a, a reasonable time there's a lot more to do because like you have to edit footage and you got to like do things like super quickly on a dime i think what was cool for him is the fact that he got to explore his interests and himself in an environment where he got to tell a great story and that makes me so happy to see so i think if anything acha creators even if they don't make the 
the jump or make the big leagues, they're getting that extra push and their inspiration to find what they're really passionate about. And that that's my testament about it. What are some of your social media pet peeves that you've seen from other team accounts that might pop up on Instagram or Twitter that like really, really grind your years? Any team that automatically thinks their social strategy is just uncapitalizing the first word of their sentence. I hate when people do that for just because they think it's cool. No, you got to have a reason to do it. Like not every single team, you're not the Hurricanes, you're not the Vegas Golden Knights. Don't tweet like you're a 14 year old girl who's stuck on Tumblr. Unless you have a specific strategy or reason, just don't do it. My biggest pet peeve, and Herm will agree with this, and and Zach, you know firsthand, when you have a fade from black to start your video, and then you don't change the cover photo, the Bobcats released tuxedo jerseys, and they were the coolest thing ever, and I wanted to share them, but the screen was black. If I put that on our story, like, what does that look like? It's, It's impossible to share it. So many teams get caught doing that, and Zach, you know more than ever, it's like the kid who makes the video isn't always the one posting the video. It, it goes both ways and, and you got to communicate. I remember you messaged me when we dropped the hype video and it was just like a miscommunication with my social person. That was me in the DMs. Yeah, there was a miscommunication. I kind of told her to just post it and I don't think I should have told her, oh, hey, you need to pick this cover photo for it for the aesthetic. It was just everybody's fault. So I'm glad you pointed that out because now, now it was more sick to share. I saw it. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And I went to go and share it to the story. I was like, God, no, this is just a black photo and it's not going to generate any hype at all. And I was like, please, please let someone be on their phone and be able to fix this really quickly. And so thankful that you guys were super responsive on it. You talked about if you were to go do football or something like that, that, you know, there's a lot more hands on different, you know, working for different people. You're not getting to be, you know, do your own kind of stuff. But, you know, with the ACHA team, there's, you know, you still got to work with the players, which could sometimes maybe be a problem. Tell us about some some of the best guys on the team that, you know, they're just easy to work with and fun to work with. Riley, for one thing, he's always super responsive. After I drop the hype video, I'm going to pull this message up. And I actually like I don't like to watch my videos after they drop. It's just a thing about me. It's like if I watch this, I'm going to get sick of myself. I'm going to be like, I can never watch this again. I'm going to like start picking apart things I could have done better. Riley messaged me right after I dropped it. And he said, quote, Zach, that video was so effing dirty. I want to run through a wall right now. (laughs) I love that guy so much. He's so much fun to work with. He's always responsive to me and always helps things. Another guy too is Parker Zarek. He's always responsive to me as well. He's super nice about everything and always willing to help. And honestly, our poster boy, Chris Solomon, he's always doing things to help me out. He's uh, really easy to work with on set. And he always brings to the table some good ideas for like different moves that we could do, like some dancing and things like that for the shoots and everything like that. I think we had Victor Hugo at one point, number 29 for us. He did a thing last year after we beat Liberty at the Wake Competition Center. He did like the eating the cereal thing towards the camera. And I was like, hey, that was sick. Do that again. And he's like, all right. Everyone on the team is really easy to work with. I think it just comes down to the fact that because I am so associated with the team, they're comfortable with me. Obviously, on a media day, it's a little bit daunting having all these cameras around. But it's like, if I'm a friend, if I'm around the team, they know who I am. It's not like they're trying to do something to like a far away marketing team. Do you have them like once you finish editing uh, one of the videos, do you send it to them before you like send like publish it out then and have them watch through it or they just trust you and you put it out? 
they trust me. And it's also partially I want to keep it a little bit of a surprise for them just so they can be like kind of wowed and everything like that. I don't think I've sent them a video before I posted it. I might start doing that. I, I, I don't know, just because of how quickly I got to get stuff out. I do the same. I like posting it without sharing it with anybody. I'll share it with like my brothers and have them see it. And if I really need someone to critique it, but my go-to move in the, in the team group chat is like, hey guys, like the social media manager just texted me. Like he'd really appreciate it if everyone went and shared this on their story. And then everyone gets a good kick. We had one of the, one of the rookies fell right into the trap this past week. And he goes, aren't you the social media manager? And then we just memed him to death in the group chat. So he learned his lesson. Yeah. Oh my God. That's funny. Zach, what does the next four years look like for the ice pack program? You're going to be going on doing bigger and better things, but the program's going to evolve. How do you see that going? Well, we're going to win a natty. That's the vision as a whole. Forget about my team. Forget about where we're going. This team is in a prime position to win it all. From the way I see them working practice, the fact is we're giving a established D1 program a run for their money. And I don't know how many of you guys watched the game last night. We gave them a run for their money for like, I want to say the first 25, 30 minutes. And even after that, it was back and forth. And it's obviously a little bit disadvantageous because they're on the ice five days a week. We're on there for like two or three for a D2 program to do that with a really good D1 team. Just think about how we're going to do against teams this year. If I don't see us in the final four for nationals, I'm going to be it's insanely surprised. I believe in those guys and I'm really confident what we can do here going forward. Watching the nationals last year was really cool. Like I mentioned, we're friends with Ford Hatchet. He's from Raleigh, so he's a big state fan. We had the game on and we were all rooting for state, like watching you guys against you, Mary. And mm-hmm. I remember like a lot of the guys were watching. I won't name names, but it, they were D1 ACHA guys watching the D2 nationals being like, we would kill these guys. And I was like, guys, like you don't understand, like you, Mary gives Minot a good game and Minot is a top 10 team in division one end of first period last night states up three to one liberty's going back into the locker room like what the heck just happened what is going on like those guys were probably you know they were shocked i I can only imagine what that locker was like and what kirk handy had to say i know i think you guys have a legitimate chance to win win the d2 national championship and i think those top teams in division two could compete in division one i think last night we went into the locker room and that's another good thing about being an acha creative is you get kind of like unparalleled access so i'm always there listening to the guys kind of seeing who's a leader and it was actually riley who said this he like walked in he sat down he said something along the lines of they're kicking themselves right now they're going to be pissed when they come back out we knew that that we they had a good period and we knew they had a bad period the whole team kind of knew that they were going to bounce back which they did we still gave them a really good fight so i'm just insanely proud of them talking about that access just for a second because i know this is a question i wanted to ask and, and we didn't get to it yet what's your relationship like with coach healy and and what are those conversations like and getting all that access to the locker room and on the bus <laughs> <laughs> I've been up with him until about 2 a.m. every night before our home opener because we've been trying to figure out like media plans for ticket sales, um, working on newsletters, everything like that. So we have an ongoing relationship. We're always in contact about ideas and everything like that. So I would say it's a pretty good relationship I have with him. He's definitely helped me a lot out professionally and also personally just with a lot of things going on in life. So I'm super appreciative of him. And again, it's just like what I talked about in the very beginning of this. I mean, I don't lace up. I don't play with 
with these guys, but they treat me as one of their own. They check up on me after I have a big job promotion or whatever. They're always the first ones to congratulate me. Uh, Coach Healy, he talks to me about my job issues and everything like that, my job search. That's why I really want to give back. It's because of what they do for me, and I want to do everything that I can to just give what I can back to them. Zach, it's been awesome having you on. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom for aspiring ACHA creatives? Do it. Not not in the Palpatine way. I'm, I'm talking the, uh, the very motivational, get out there and just go for it. A lot of people are going to be better than you. I remember my first video I made, um, and actually Devin Halco, I don't know if you guys ever heard of him or talked to him, but he played for state for three years. He'd messaged me after I dropped the hype video, and he said the amount of growth that you had since our third jersey reveal video, which I dropped two years ago, he said, it's incredible. Like you are seriously putting in the work and doing everything like that. So that meant a lot to me because people are noticing that growth. So to any Acha creative that's out there or anybody that wants to get involved, I think my biggest piece of advice is don't worry about the now. And don't, I mean, don't worry about the future. Just focus on being the best you can and focus on making every single video that you make, every single piece of content you make just 1% better for the next time. 1% better for the next time. And that way, over time, you're going to be the best and everyone's going to tell you that even if you're not thinking it. So I guess I just get out there and give it your best effort because at the end of the day, you get out of this league what you put into it. Just have the determination, have the work ethic, and you're going to do big things. That's that's my overarching wisdom. Zach, thanks again for coming on. We really love talking to you and we, we look forward to more episodes of Ice Pack All Access in the future. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. A lot of more sleepless nights for that, but you know what? It's worth it. So appreciate you guys having me on it's always a pleasure that interview was brought to you by selly hockey co for all the latest throwback and vintage styled hockey merch be sure to check out sellyhockeyco.com and on instagram as well at sellyhockey.co awesome job by zach on the interview that was one of the more fun interviews we've done i know herm and i really enjoyed that one as guys behind the scenes on social media in the acha his work is the gold standard when it comes to video content that gets put out. And we brought up in the interview, everyone says there should be a documentary about the ACHA and he's got it. So if you haven't checked out Ice Pack All Access on YouTube, be sure to please do that after after listening to this episode. Herm, what were your thoughts? I get to live vicariously through Zach what I see on the NC State social media feeds. It is, like you said, the pinnacle of content, in my opinion, around the league. I wish I had his vision going into freshman year to get four years of that at Ohio instead of kind of having my aha moment in senior year. He's a master of so, so many things and excels from a videography standpoint, from a content planning standpoint, clearly managing the overall team. Once he's done with his victory lap at NC State, I am so excited to see where he goes and takes his next step in his professional career. And Herm, I could see you were getting a little PTSD during the interview when he talked about all the crazy things that he's had to do that were not on camera when he was talking about icing guys' shoulders and filling up water bottles and all of those behind the scenes things that aren't quite on the job application when you first apply. Sometimes when you sign up for those long nights at the rank, you get a little bit more than you expected. <laughs> it's part of the job at that point. I know I mentioned in the interview, but talking with Zach, I was really interested to see kind of his perspective on why he still, you know, does what he does for the ice pack. Because as a person who's seen both sides of it, I know here at Syracuse, we lose digital media guys and girls all the time to the athletic program because they do such good work for a club sports team. It's only a matter of time before they get picked up by the big guys. And obviously that looks 
huge on a resume compared to maybe a club sports team. And my biggest takeaway from it was people want to see your work. And that's why Zach does what he does because he doesn't have a boss. He can, it's his stuff. It's his brand. It's his image going out there on every single post. It's not some cookie cutter template from an athletic department. So I thought that was really cool. And getting his perspective on that was, was, was awesome. Transitioning to the battle of the Barnes tournament that's wrapping up. Zach was really pumped to see fans in the crowd at the Wake competition center. We had them in the tournament early on. They, I think they made it out of the first round and they they knocked off Drexel. I know we, we heard from Coach Healy and he expressed that, hey, he, he appreciated being in the tournament, but he knew they weren't going to go very far because they hadn't had the opportunity to pack the place yet. And they certainly packed it on opening night, which was great to see. As we speak right now, the time of recording on Monday night, Liberty currently has a, a huge advantage over Arizona. We'll see if the, the West Coast time zone can pick up the pace here as the night goes on. But we'll cut to the question of the week right now. What are the biggest surprises prizes you guys had from the Battle of the Barns. We'll throw it over to Herm first. We posted a video from Weber State this week of their overtime winner and their fans went nuts. Every single team account that was in Battle of the Barns, I made sure to DM and politely ask for any photos or videos that they had of packed houses, things like that. Some social media managers got back to us, some did not. And Weber State got bounced in the first round and we caught a little bit of flack for the photo that we had to use. We didn't get anything back and we had to dig for everything that was publicly posted. Sorry to all the Weber State fans out in Utah who were a little bit peeved that you guys got bounced early, but don't blame us for that one. I commented on the post. I was like, Utah might be a sneaky ACHA hot spot. I mean, they've got Weber State, they've got BYU, Utah. I mean, Utah, Utah and Utah State, all those schools pack the rinks and they all play at these former Salt Lake City Olympic Games arenas. Every rink they have out in Utah has the Olympic rings and it's 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 crazy. Closest thing they have to college hockey out there is what the schools in Colorado. So it's really cool seeing all those rinks packed. But Herm, like you said, they kind of got the short end of the stick there and lost to the eventual finalists in in the first round. Glick, what was your biggest surprise from the tournament? Oh, I'd have to say my biggest surprise is Cog Hockey leaving in the first round, losing to uh, University of Delaware and Fred Russ Arena. I mean, it's a decent rank. I, I never played college hockey there, but just talking like UD guys, former UD guys, you know, they never really explained it to be as anything crazy and definitely nothing that could compare to how Cam Mecca and Joey Colega and Ben Smith, our former guests, just the way they describe the atmosphere at their arena. I just, I was really surprised to see University of Delaware beat out cock hockey in round one. And Delaware is, is brutal on social media too. So that was another surprise. I thought it was going to be a cakewalk for them. And like we said, the photo that was chosen for Delaware was, you know, showed a pack barn from maybe, I don't know, six to eight years ago. I've played at Fred Russ Arena. It did not look like that. And I think the best way I would describe Fred Russ Arena is it's like the big pond meets bird arena in a way. It's like bird and it's a low ceiling. It's got bleachers on both sides in the corners, old school rink, low glass, low ceiling, but the ice sheet is huge. You're playing on a box there. That was a surprise for me. I thought, you know, the guys would maybe show a little more support there. But another video we posted this week was out of Maryville. And once again, the 
the I think it's the Maryville University Dog Pound is what they call themselves is the student section there in St. Louis. And they have packed it every night so far this year. Uh, they packed it on opening weekend for Bama. They showed up for Illinois and I'm sure they're going to keep showing up all season. That was one that we we didn't have on our radar and probably should have made the tournament. And I'm sure they would have done very well. Speaking of Missouri, we head there for our hockey house game of the week this week. We have Missouri State, who's gotten off to a hot start. And with the help of Louis Shanks, former guest and hockey house all-star, Louis and the Ice Bears are going to travel cross state to Centene to face off against the Linwood Lions. And this is going to be an interesting matchup because Missouri State, hot. They've played already. It's going to be first game of the season for Lindenwood. But I mean, you look at Lindenwood schedule and it reminds me a lot of that Arizona State transition year where they played anybody who was willing to travel down to Arizona when they you know they played D1 NCAA teams they played D1 ACHA teams they played D3 schools this looks a lot like that for Lindenwood and you can just tell by the recruiting that Lindenwood's going to be stacked this year so that'll be an interesting test early on for both teams and looking forward to seeing the result from that one if I had to make an early pick for someone who's going to make a deep, deep run in this year's national tournament, Lindenwood's going to be that team. They are scary this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule, they have a game against Denver. They're also going to Air Force and they are playing at Arizona State. So, I mean, those are three solid college hockey programs right now and, and those will be great tests, but you got to think those games are going to pay off come national tournament time. National tournament being in Missouri again this year so a little home ice advantage for the lions there so yeah i think they're definitely a team to watch this year and uh nice test early on when when missouri state comes to town in other games this week like we mentioned last episode still kind of flabbergasted by this one but cincinnati will make the trek up to adrian michigan to take on the bulldogs and this one's going to be a bloodbath i don't think it'll be close i think i mean i would i would take the over at at 14 and a half for this one that is brutal and and shout out to the bearcats that's got to be bulletin board material right there. So prove Murph wrong. We want to see it happen. Credit records do it. We saw NC State travel up to Liberty and, and put up a real good fight early on. I'm just thinking when that 2021 ACHA National Championship banner drops and the Bulldogs come running out of the tunnel and the smoke goes off and the goal horn goes off, I think Cincinnati immediately loses the game there. I, I, I don't see anything happening there. Bulletin more material all you want. I, I I hope it's close for the sake of the Bearcats. But as Herm as Herm has pointed out, that's not the only interdivisional matchup we have this week. Herm, what else do we have on the docket? We have D1 Oklahoma taking on D3 Arkansas, and we have D1 Northern Illinois taking on D2 Purdue Northwest. I'm interested in that Arkansas-Oklahoma game. I know Oklahoma advertised that game as a big game. Future SEC matchup going on in Oklahoma. I think it'll be a good, you know, good early early game for a team like Oklahoma, solid Division One team, playing a D3 team, but not a pushover D3 team by any means. They are one of the few Division Three teams that Got to play a full season last year and make the trip to nationals, losing the finals to Hope College. That'll be an interesting game. I think that one is actually going to be a closer matchup than the game happening up in, in, in Adrian. Interesting, too. It reminds me a lot of this weekend we saw Auburn travel to Bama to play a series. That was a kind of another lopsided SEC matchup where it seemed like the D1 team was just, you know, we, we've talked about this before. It's like that early season game. You bring the cupcake team in and you, you beat them by eight goals and then you send them home. I feel like we've hyped up this Adrian Cincy game. If Cincy pulls the upset, what are you going to do? We need to lay this out in advance. Put it out on the airwaves. 
What are you going to do on social if Cincy pulls this upset? If Cincy pulls off the upset, I will immediately buy a jersey. I would buy a Bearcats jersey and get it shipped up right to Syracuse, and I would post it on social media right away. I'm, I'm that confident that there's no chance that they're winning. I would I would buy an, a Bearcats jersey right on the spot. Would you get a tattoo? Are you that confident? Oh, that- no, 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 no. I'm a no tattoo guy, so I'm not going to... For the sake of my mother, I'm not going to get a Cincinnati Bearcats tattoo, but... Big theme of the week was social media with Zach coming on and social media, digital media, graphic design, video editing, all that jazz. Last thing I have to say, make sure we're tagging our photographers, boys, in your Instagram posts. They'll give you the best pictures and you know make you look really good on social media. Be sure you're tagging them and uh, be careful with the filters you add to their photos. I know they're really picky about that, okay? Good luck to the rest of the boys playing this weekend. And remember, big sellies, tag your photographer. Have a good week.